Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Bob Varsha, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Good evening, gearheads, and welcome to the Speed City F1 on Sirius XM pre-race show for the Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix. We are live on the ground in Vegas, and yes, it is exactly what you can imagine. There's neon everywhere, and it is a giant party. But we have a fantastic race coming up because this racetrack is now ready to go, and it is fast. This is John Massengill, and I am on site in the booth in Las Vegas, and Jonathan Green and Bob Varsh are going to be joining us when they can. They are doing the PA system out here, but I also have former Haas F1 team manager Dave O'Neill. He's joining me from Austin because he's been working out at Coda today. Dave, how are you, sir? I'm very good. I'm very good. It's um, strange, isn't it, the way the hours are falling on this one? You know, everyone else should be in bed apart from you. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's um, it's going to be good. I, I guess the um, the interesting bit is is to play for is the temperatures, um, that they uh, they're going to be seeing for the start of the race, you know. Well, so you hit you hit the nail on the head in, on both counts, Dave. Because number one, everyone has been thrown off on their time zones, as you'll hear in some of these driver interviews that we've got. Everyone is like, well, tonight and tomorrow and, and yesterday, and they all get them all wrong because the the time zone is so strange. Because you know, starting a race at ten o'clock uh, here in Las Vegas Pacific time which means, you know, even later in East Coast time, it's really late. Of course, it is going to be 6 a.m. in the U.K. where the rest of the world is doing what we normally have to do, Dave, wake up early. But, yes, the temperatures have been – they have been way less cool than what was predicted maybe a week or two ago. Because if you recall, a week or two ago they were saying it's going to be close to freezing and the tires are never going to be able to handle this. Well, it's not been that cold. I think, Dave, I think the coldest temperature we saw last night was around 54 degrees Fahrenheit. So, and currently, I can just look at my Apple Watch. It's 61 degrees on the ground here in Vegas right now. So it's it's actually extremely pleasant. And uh, there's uh, there's the crowds right outside of our booth is they've got these big trucks and they, they're full of people and the crowd, they're taking them around the circuit. But... I have to just set the stage for you because it is, it's truly amazing what they have put together here. And the fact that they've pulled this off in two years and turned this city into this amazing racetrack. They've built bridges. They have changed roads. And it's really phenomenal. And I have a fantastic view out the front and the back of my booth. So out the front of my booth is about 20 feet away is just before turn 17, which the, the cars are going about 200 miles an hour when they go past my booth. And I can literally feel the impact. Dave, I know you know this feeling. I mean, it, it's it's almost violent the way you can feel that because I'm so close. I mean, I could it's really about 20 feet. It, it, you know the feeling I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. I mean, the um, I guess the only thing I can – have representation of is at Monaco before the new garages got built. The pit walls used to be right beside the um, pit straight and you could feel uh, feel the draft going past. You get shaken basically um, by, by each of the cars that go past. And 
even more so the guys that had to hang the um, the pit boards out to the drivers for signalling. Um, they used to get blown okay. out there. Well, I, and I can feel it in the booth over here, but I hear Chris Medlin's microphone lighting up. He's probably about 500 yards from me, not even that probably. Chris, how's it going out there on the, on the, uh, in the paddock? It's going good. I, I'm technically, technically not quite in the paddock yet. So I'm 500 yards away from you and about 20 yards below because <laughs> I'm just coming through the tunnel that uh, goes under the track between, uh, well, from the outside of turn one to the inside to go into the paddock. So, uh, it's a bit of a trek from the media center here. Uh, they've put us in a in a resort casino thing that's uh, about a 15-minute walk away from the paddock. So as you can imagine, the build-up to the race, everything's been a bit slower, which is my polite way of saying I just didn't leave enough time to get here. But I'm getting <laughs> in now. Well, Chris, I, I've been trying to tell everyone what I can see. And, I mean, it's like nothing I have ever seen. No race ever with this amount of activity and energy and neon i mean i was telling everybody I could, out the front of my booth how i can i'm right on top of the track but out the back i'm looking at the sphere this amazing new vegas venue slash billboard slash lcd screen plus all the hotels and all the neon and i i am just electric with excitement but chris try to help me set this stage well, so I've now walked into the paddock from the far end. And the first thing I encounter, actually, the first thing I encounter is the Pirelli uh, like fitting section. So where the tires are fitted to the wheels. But the second thing I encounter is a chapel. Uh, so <laughs> essentially, it looks like a, a, a massive, very nice industrial style greenhouse. Uh, lots of glass. Uh, and the first part of it uh, is called, well, they've titled it Race to the Altar. And it's where the, uh, the chapel is, where people can get married. Um, and and you say people can get married. No one's getting married right now. There's a few influencers just doing a bit of posing, actually. Um, but it, it's got the tagline, lights out and together we go. I can hear you <laughs> groaning uh, into your, in your cars right now. But um, yeah, oh. the, uh, this has been used. It was used by Jacques Villeneuve uh, and his now wife, Julia, uh, a couple of days ago. And I was lucky enough to walk by as it was happening and it was quite busy inside. So I stuck my head in to sort of watch and take some photos. And afterwards, they handed out cake to everyone on the bottle of champagne. It was remarkable <laughs> stuff. So, um, yeah, I've been privy to a wedding already this, this week. And, and now we're going to get a Grand Prix. <laughs> I saw that chapel. In fact, I went down and took a picture of it and sent it to my wife with a question mark. <laughs> and she says, I don't have paddock passes. I'm not coming to re remarry you 31 years later. So... <laughs> But that's such a great Vegas thing to do, and and this this thing this whole spectacle is amazing. But Chris, I was saying just before you came on that I am way more excited for the race because the track is blazing fast. I, I know we've seen 215 miles an hour. Have you noticed? Have we seen even higher than that? I think yeah. I think we've touched 220. Um, I haven't actually looked at the the final speed traps, but I think we got certainly. Uh, have approached it uh, and apologies if as i move uh, we get a bit of dropout because i, I just lost you guys for a second but um yeah it, it's ridiculously quick and you're right i'm the same we've had in the build-up there's been some some bumps in the road and, and quite a bit of focus on the handling of those bumps and uh, a little bit of negativity around things but i think as you get closer anyway and this is something i said when it's a famous max Verstappen quote that we've had this week of it's 99 show one percent sporting event now 
I take it as that being, it shows you how big the show is around it because the Grand Prix sporting event is the same. It's three practice mm. sessions, a qualifying session in a race. And as we've gone through them and, and got through the bumps that we had with practice, that's when the excitement's really started to build. You're watching these cars go and do the competitive bit that really does get the juices flowing. And I just genuinely can't wait to see how this race will play out. And okay, the image of 20 cars barreling towards, um, well, barreling along the strip, assuming all 20 make it that far, that's going to be incredible, yes. But like, this is a race where it looks like there will be lots of overtaking, but not easy to overtake. The drivers said they actually think it's a bit harder than they were expecting. Uh, but there could be incidents, there could be safety cars. Uh, and it's a real unique challenge with the temperatures as well. There's a lot of new aspects to this that are not you know, a problem. They're not gimmicky. They're not dangerous. They're just a challenge uh, that I think could make for an excellent race. So, uh, yeah, as I, was, as I was heading in and you start to get that buzz building up towards uh, race start time, I was like, yeah, here we go. This is what we're here for, really. doesn't matter about all the glitz and the glamour, as exciting as that is, and as much as we will focus on it. But the lights are going to go out and everyone's going to go racing. And at that same moment, I think everyone's going to feel the same way. They'll be excited to see who's going to win. Well, Jonathan Green has just joined me in the booth. He's uh, got a little time away from the PA. Jonathan, you know, you see me. I'm like a a neon bulb hanging in midair here without any electricity going to it. They don't need any more light. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) 1,750 lighting the track. Oh, my gosh. Just for information. Uh, Stat. Yeah, stat, stat, stat. <laughs> stat. Hey, I'll just, can I pick up on what Chris just said? Yeah. I thought Hamilton made a really interesting comment about, uh, you said that there could be a lot of overtaking, and I agree with you. They, sh- they should be 15-meter-wide track, but uh, Hamilton was saying that as soon as you got offline, you've got so, no- so little grip, and, and, and the graining that we've been talking about, you know, you start making a bunch of overtakes, and graining is going to come in quick because you're on the dirt, you're on the cold, uh, you're off the line. And he also said, you know, yeah, great, two huge drag, res- you know, DRS zones. But because of the way the wings are, you're not getting the same effect. So, you know, uh, in other words, these are hampers rather than pluses. Uh, whereas at most circuits where you've got more downforce, they would be huge pluses. So it's, uh, that makes it, for me anyway, quite interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I want to pick Dave O'Neill's brain because he he's uh, he's been the the man uh, in charge. And Dave, a new venue like this, but but what about these speeds and the slippery? I mean, look at the cars like the Williams cars, and how crazy fast, annoyingly fast, and annoyingly fast is what <laughs> Logan Sargent. And by the way, we should get Chris. Are we still going to get Logan here in about ten minutes? Uh, hopefully so, yeah. He's out on the driver parade right now. He's been told yeah. where to wait and hopefully get him afterwards. It'll be a fairly okay. short walk and talk because, annoyingly, where he'll get out of his car is very close to where he needs to go to his hospitality unit. But, uh, uh, yeah, we're hoping to hear from Logan because big day for him flying sick. Yeah. Uh, Massive. Yeah, huge day for the young American. But, Dave O'Neill, I was just going to ask you about uh, really two things. You know, getting set up for a, a new venue like this and then – you you arrive and it's one of the fastest tracks on the calendar. Yeah, I mean there's um, there's two sides to it all. You you have all the infrastructure um, which you get drawings for, um, so you can prep the garage and the wiring harnesses to go in the garages and uh, the exhaust extractors, etc. So that's one one piece. Um, and of course, you're not allowed in to check it beforehand, so you have to go on. You know. The, um, the planned drawings that you're given. Um, and then the other thing is working your way around from the hotel, similar to Singapore, um, mm. where you you, know, you stay in, in the city uh, and then you walk to work. 
Um, and in Singapore, you have the underground shopping centers. So you walk through and, and get to get to the pits and the paddock that way. And then you, you, you've got the other aspects, which is the car. As soon as you release the car, you're typically, you know, you typically wait into, to see how much data you can turn over. Um, and as, as we've seen, they struggled to, um, to, to get to, you know, a decent amount of data out of FP1 and FP2. So they're on, they're, all of them are on the back foot. They're all in the same position. So it's no drama for the, for all the teams. Um, but of course, you know, what, what they're waiting for is to start laying the, the rubber down and the laying the rubber down is the unknown. So, um, you know, you can simulate it as much as you want, but when the temperatures are what they are um, and you didn't get the first two track track sessions in, you don't get the data. So obviously you can't get the grip. And if you can't get the grip, you can't generate um, any heat in the into the tyres. So the more running they do, the more heat they get into the tyres, the more rubber that's laid down on the track, the faster they go. Um, and again, you know, you, you have X and X ratios, gear ratios in the gearbox, which you choose um, before you get to the race weekend. So um, they have to limit those um, or they go past them, wait, wait till they bump into the rev limiter. Um, and then, of course, you do the DRS, which gives you another sort of 18 uh, kilometers an hour, sort mm. of 14 miles an hour down the straight. So there's there's. Um, there's loads of things to think about and, and um, download the, the data and see how you can use the tools best best presented to you. Well, we uh, I, I know that there's there's all this discussion about you know the data and the the temperatures and by the way we are going to have Mario Isola next hour cool and uh, and and uh, we'll get his inf his download because Mario is the head of motorsport for Pirelli. And he will tell us exactly what's going on because graining and temperatures yeah. have been the, the top two to talking points. Yes. And we'll get that from the from the uh, the horse's mouth there as it be with Mario from Pirelli. So uh, but Jonathan, we're just watching with the driver's parade. Chris, we can watch for Logan because he just came by. He just came by standing up. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I didn't see which car he was in. Uh, he was in a Corvette. Oh, he was. Well, of course he was. But uh, but yeah, we just saw all the classic cars go by. With all the drivers, I, I got to tell you what's funny. You, you're watching the celebrities out there. I've been, I've got to do a grid walk for the track for the fans, right? And I, there's so many A-list celebrities here, and I'm not trying to drop names here, but I haven't got a clue. <laughs> so I'm watching this guy with a sign saying, "Okay, it's Terry Crews," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's Terry Crews." Okay, and there's a DJ, there's Fisher. So you get one of those guys, but Martin Brundle doesn't. No, 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 no. This is there's an actual <laughs> red carpet now for Entertainment Tonight and for all the news yes, people but, that are here. But in other words, someone's going to tell you who you're. No, in. no. Oh, they're not. not on the grid. No. Oh, I'm, I'm on the, my own. I'm, I'm, oh I'm my in gosh. the shark tank on my own. Good luck, my friend. It's nuts. But um, Donny Osmond, I recognized him. My <laughs> my era. <laughs> yeah. He's doing the national anthem. Uh, rumor has it, Sly Enough Stallone. Enough about Donny Osmond. Enough about oh, Donny come Osmond. Come on. Let's get Logan Osmond on who's just <laughs> snuck through <laughs> Alfa Romeo. Hope you're looking for secrets while you're in there. But uh, how was the driver's parade first? Like, that must still be cool, doing a lap of the track in the open. It was chilly. <laughs> I know. It was cool. Um, as you can imagine, driving down the strip, taking it all in, pretty pretty awesome. But um, looking more forward to this race off P6. Wow. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just looking at him right now. I was like, come on, you must be buzzing. I am. I am. I, I just think, obviously, I think me and Alex honestly out-qualified our, our pace yesterday. And 
it's going to be a tough race to stay where we are, but obviously that's what we want to do. I think we have a, a really quick car in the straight lines. Uh, there's definitely some people behind us that we probably won't be able to keep there, but um, we'll do our best to, to keep as high up as we possibly can. Well, then realistically, what is the target? So people aren't expecting too much. What would you be happy with at the end of this? Um, because there's going to be a lot of eyes on this race. I think realistically, if we can both finish in the points, that would be a uh, phenomenal day. Phenomenal day. So um, that's the goal. Um, I don't think we can expect too much more than that, but um, we'll do our best to make it more than that. And how tired are you, can I finally ask? Because it's been a hectic week. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I feel a bit tired today, but um, I'm sure an espresso shot, a dose of uh, adrenaline when I get out there, I'll be good to go. Uh, good luck. Thank you, Logan. Thank you. Uh, that was your American driver, ladies and gentlemen, Logan Sargent. Super excited for him to start. And I think that is a very realistic goal. That's what I was thinking, uh, that if they could stay in the points. And, you know, look, you get, you get some drivers behind him, including Carlos Sainz in that Ferrari, which is going to be blazing fast. He's already proven that, his teammate on pole. So, all right, well, coming up right after this, we do have some clips from each of the drivers. And we are live in Las Vegas, and we'll be back right after this. With post race interviews. Hey, uh, how are you doing, Charles? <laughs> you, you're not as no, good as your Michael Caine. Nah, I know. <laughs> right. But um, no, I mean, it, it's it, it's interesting. And, and I have to say, I, I also I'll tell you who I bumped into Bobby, Bobby Epstein. Oh, did you really? And, nice. Uh, he has brought 30 people uh, from Coda and their spouses as a reward for all the work they put into. Uh, Very work. nice. Yeah. That's a great idea. And uh, had a, you know, is, 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 you know, doing some doing some research. Well, good. Good for him. I ran into uh, my I, top of my list on celebrities, and it was the Cadillac GM executive team. So George Kurtz is out then? <laughs> no. The, I, I was walking through the paddock, and everybody was looking around, looking for Alonzo, whoever's coming in the door. And these guys in some little GM Cadillac jackets were kind of off to the side. And I was like, holy smokes, that's the Cadillac. So I just walked over and introduced myself. And they're not ready to come on the radio yet. They said, "Ah, that's good. <laughs> what a good, yeah, that's a good find." But yeah, I mean, as as we all know, that story that dropped that General Motors and Cadillac. All right, we're coming back. Hi, this is Max Steppen, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back. We are in Las Vegas getting ready for the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Formula One has taken over this town. One of the things I want to help set the stage is 
just walking around. I was going from one hotel to another to go have lunch today. And what? 50% of the people walking around oh, yeah. have on swag from Formula One. Me and Bob worked it out. We think that uh, Red Bull way ahead of everybody else in terms of team merchandise. Second McLaren. Yeah, Ferrari's up there. Ferrari third. Um, I'm All thinking right. who else? Haas. I've seen some, lot some Haas. good Haas stuff. Yep. Alpine's still pretty obscure, but then again, they're a French team. Um, you know, it's, that, that's not, but now with all the celebrity uh, involved in Alpine, from Patrick Mahomes to Ryan Reynolds to Rob McElhaney, you know, I think it's really going to pick up um, because that's going to help inject some interest in Alpine big time. Yep. Uh, Chris, uh, just tell me what's going on in the paddock right now. Well, I thought I'd go somewhere else. I'm in the pit lane right now. Uh, we oh. usual for this time. Uh, um, but, you know, A, we've got a bit more time on the show, haven't we, to do some things. And B, yeah. I've got a tip-off uh, from a team member who said, you're going to go and want to look at the grid because there's a vicious rumor, and I'm going to go and try and make sure I've got eyes on it before I start. Well, I, I'll explain the vicious rumor either way, but I'm just going <laughs> to get eyes on it to let you know. Um, but it appears that we had uh, – yeah, we did – We've had a few of the classic cars that oh, have just no. taken drivers out on the driver parade. They, they've dropped a lot of oil on the oh. left-hand side of the grid. Oh, now, that means no. if you're Max Verstappen or Pierre Gasly, you now have a slip and slide to get off the line. So or that is the a wet ideal for anyone starting. Well, it's, uh, there's sand going down right now, and yeah. they're, uh, they're trying pretty hard, I think, to get it um, soaked up as best they can. Obviously, they have, oh, what, 40 minutes until the pit lane, or 50 minutes until the pit lane will open. So there is time to, to try and get that done. And I'm sure if anyone's not a Max Verstappen fan, they're going, great, what a chance for Charlotte Burke to uh, take yeah. away in the lead. Uh, but flip side there is if, it, if it's, uh, well, a, if you're a Verstappen fan, but it's fan of any other driver that's starting on an even numbered grid slot, uh, it looks like it could be a bit tricky. So I'm going to get... Um, Let's see if I can get a photo of it, actually. On Twitter, um, will let me uh, post a photo, hopefully. Uh, and I'll see if I can just show a little bit of what's going on out there. But it's, uh, it's hectic in here. Uh, there's a lot of people moving around, which, you know, this isn't my usual spot pre-race. So uh, I've not seen it before. But, yeah, there's huge amounts of sand and cement and dust. Uh, well, Chris, not we see good. these... We see these these uh, classic car parades come around in Austin and everything else. I'm sure this is not the first time we've seen this happen. Yeah, true. No, but I don't think we see it to this extent. I am looking at a lot. And look, it, uh, this, you know, nightmare for anyone and any race, and it could happen anyway. You're correct on that. This isn't a, a Vegas but error it's bad, or something huh? like that. But, but not is, the grid. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's no, true. No, exactly. So much, and it, it looks like the it may be more than one, um, yeah. given how much there is there. So I am to, to sorry to use live radio to plug myself, and I'm going to stick a photo on Twitter for you all uh, to see just how bad it is. Uh, mm -hmm. and the extent of the cleanup that's going on. Uh, so yeah. at this point, seeing as I can't type and talk, uh, take it over, guys. Well, yeah. uh, interestingly, I'm watching right in front of us here in the booths. Uh, I'm watching the huge big trucks, which I'm sure have got a double use, which is carrying cargo. And now they're carrying people to the paddock club. Uh, and they are, what do you call them, 50-footers? Uh, um, uh, I'd say more like 60, 60 footers. 70 footers. And yeah, these they're are all full 18 wheelers. 18 yeah. wheelers parked on the one of the fastest parts of the track, which is the last corner before the straight uh, or the paddock straight. Um, you know. Uh, also, have you discussed the grid yet? The most phenomenal grid that we've ever had in terms no, of. No, but I did sit with Mr. Varsha and we recorded 
a little mini grid. So, uh, you know what? Let's see. How much time do we have? Hey, Chris, we've got a little segment with Bob where he, we uh, talk about the grid. Is this a good time for that, you think? You want to, if you had somebody there. Yeah, why not? Want... While, I'm, while I'm fighting my way around um, with uh, – I'll tell you what. I'll tell you who I have got. And I'm going to see, just at this point, um, is if I – I was going to try and interrupt uh, Alessandro Aluni-Bravi, who is the uh, team representative for Alpha Male. I'm just going to see. Uh, Alessandro, thank you for joining us on SiriusXM. Uh, firstly, I mean, it seems a bit calm right now because we're in the pit lane. But how crazy has your week been here in Las Vegas? But it's not, uh, we are not calm, you know. There is a lot of tension before the start. It's always uh, full of adrenaline for everybody. We need to, you know, discuss the latest point concerning the race strategy. That is always crucial. Uh, I think here the environment is amazing. You know, we have a lot of artists, influencers, a lot of big stars joining. Also, you have seen in our team who's involved helping our mechanics for the pit stop practice. So it's a lot of excitement, but of course now going towards the race, we are focused on what will happen from the start. Uh, in any case, it's uh, nice to be here and to live all together this new circuit, new venue that we set the benchmark for Formula One. Uh, you guys have uh, set the benchmark out too with livery. Lots of new liveries that we've got this week. Ooh, but what can you do you think? Because qualifying looks a little tough for you. But, you know, Dave Bottas has been uh, performing from the start of this weekend. And in these low track, low grid conditions, it's always been comparable. Uh, also, when he was in Mercedes with Lewis, I think that uh, starting from P7, we need to target is our target. We are confident, but it's always depending from, you know, lap one, there will be any course within the target is points. That'll teach me forgetting the grids, because I thought Valtteri was out in Q2. I'm so sorry about that. Uh, and just finally, are you coming to have a look at the grid right now? There's been a lot of uh, spillage down there. Is that of uh, concern for you? No, it's, uh, it's not. It's, everything is for, uh, for us the same than the other competitors. So we just need to, you know, to do a clean start clean gate that way and that's it right. well good luck Sam thank you very much for your time oh nice Chris I'm glad he wasn't Chris he, uh, not he was that he was not too concerned about that because mm. that is you say it just looks like a lot of oil is that what you're saying uh, I've just uh, tweeted it so you can see it now um, uh, Chris Medlin F1 there. by the way if you're on Twitter Chris Medlin yes, F1 let's check yeah. it out actually yeah that was more hint to you guys but that's a good point yes listeners too sorry um, so uh, yes yeah, so you could see the extent of the cleanup job that was going on down there I will say that uh, as that's Alessandro that's as Alessandro Aluli Bravi who is the team representative of Alfa Romeo and as he rightly uh, reminded me that Valtteri Bottas is 7th I will admit, I've overlooked that based on Kevin Magnussen being top 10, and obviously we focus a fair bit on Haas, and Logan Sargent in 6th, and I didn't pay enough attention, so he was right behind Logan. Uh, but with huh. Valtteri 7th, he's on the clean side of the grid, both in terms of what the what we would have called it anyway, because that's the racing line, but now uh, with what's been dubbed on the track as well. Well, speaking of Valtteri Botas, Casey, producer back in Austin, if you've got the Valtteri Botas clip, I would like to play that, because... Uh, he was uh, – it, it's a good clip. We'll get that queued up here in just a second because they were a little bit surprised, I would imagine, and I think he even talks about that. But, I, I, you know, it's, 
I know we're you know we're in Vegas, but I mean, if the the, the, the the people who wanted to gamble on this, and by the way, you can take a bet on anything, including how many safety cars uh, yes. are coming out. But the people who are doing the betting uh, right now, and I'm, I'm sure you can bet right up to the minute uh, of the race itself, uh, as is the way here in Vegas. But I mean, you could not have predicted two Williams in the top ten. Gasly no way. fourth yeah. place, and also with grid penalties, that changes the betting immediately because you could look at Carlos Sainz and go, well, you know, he was second on the grid. So, so does but now he's twelve. So does oil on the grid. Uh, right. Exactly. So the, the the odds are changing as we speak. Probably the goods are odd, but the odds are good. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you didn't make a uh, make a bet, Jonathan. Uh, well, I couldn't. I was trying. I didn't have any money. I work for Speed City. <laughs> <laughs> Touche, my friend. Uh, exactly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. got to get it in there, Chris. You know, is this now, now a again. telethon for fundraising? Yes, it is. I'm Jonathan Green, and so is my. Well, I was going to say, actually, <laughs> I was going to mention one of the guys in the media uh, center, which is above a casino, as in one level up in the, in the same building. You go downstairs, you're in the casino. Uh, yeah. One of the guys that works uh, social media for a broadcaster wanted to put a bet on, and they wouldn't accept it on qualifying. But uh, we discussed it. He was like, what would you go for? And I said to him, Charles Leclerc on pole, Alex, and I said at least one red flag. So I would have lost him his money because uh, the red flag didn't happen. But, um, yeah, it, it's brought it out in people, I think, here as well. More often than not, people are saying, oh, what do you think is going to happen in this session? Can we go and put a bet on it? Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's part of the culture, isn't it, around here? <laughs> yep. Uh, I tell you what, if you want to tipple, um, Alexard, uh, Alexander Alban, 175 to 1. Put a, put a dollar on that. There you go. Put 100 bucks on How that. How about Valtteri Bottas? Oh, now, was he to not one. 300 to 1? Yeah, was exactly. Was Albon not changed. 300 to 1 when we did wheel to wheel in the week? And we had him live on the show and he said, yeah, put a pound yeah. on it, but don't put anything else on it or a dollar on it. Right. And did. now he's dropped to 175? Yeah. And Pierre Gasly, 250 to 1. Get him down, <laughs> you Zulu warrior. All right, guys. That's, uh, a good, that's good odds. <laughs> that is Sergeant 250 to one. Oh, jeez. All right. Well, coming up after this, we, we do have those clips ready to go. So stay tuned, and we'll be back right after these messages. Jonathan, that's the Caesar Sportsbook you're reading from? Yes. Mm. Dave O'Neill, we've been uh, – Dominating the conversation. I know you're back there in Austin. I know you're getting excited for this. Are, do you have do you have the big screen ready set up to watch? Um, I will have. Yeah, <laughs> I will have shortly. What, what do you watch That's it on? Not yet. We watch it on a three inch monitor. By yeah, lots we, of things. It's not very big. Yeah, or or a uh, thirteen inch laptop. But Dave, get your money on yes, Yuki. Sir. Two two thousand to one. Get your money on Yuki. Starting twentieth, right at the back. Big pile up a first corner. Uh, Yuki, it's going through. Big pile up in the corner from the oil on the grid. Yeah. That's like a double zero. Anyone on the stream, do not listen to <laughs> John at all for that. Nah. We're not this, this cannot be construed as legal or betting yes. advice. Anything we can say is yeah, not the just... opinions of the... Uh, you know, I, we're just talking to everybody on the stream right now. I, I just can't tell you how cool this is here. It's just freaking amazing. It's uh, Yeah. Um, um, the, the sphere right now is a giant Mercedes logo. It's the Bellagio <laughs> is lit up like a candle. Uh, it, 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 honestly, well, if you guys got any of that just on mic, World Boxing just 
came up and didn't realise I had a, a live microphone and just grabbed me and went, this is mad, and ran off again. Oh, uh, that's yeah. perfect. It, you it's know, Will's... got people buzzing. Yeah, Will's never been here, and he's been saying all week, this is weird, this place is weird, because he's never been here. <laughs> well, yeah, it's Vegas, it's weird. Uh, but it suits him down to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you saying? <laughs> I'm saying, well, I mean, he's, he's plenty weird, is old <laughs> Buxton, in a good way. Of course, yes. His stuff. And I sat here and watched. I've been sitting here in this booth for several hours. All right, we're coming back. Hello, I'm Jenny Gow from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, we're live and on the ground in residence in Las Vegas, sitting about 20 feet from the Las Vegas Grand Prix circuit, and it is a freaking amazing. And we promised earlier that we'd have a little clip from Valtteri Botas, and our producer has that ready to go. Let's hear from Valtteri right now. Yeah, really pleased. I think it's uh, for us, it's, it's a great result. It's just a shame my teammate had a tricky Q1, otherwise probably both cars there was a chance, but... Um, yeah, I'm really, really pleased. Quite surprising, actually, coming to this race. I wasn't quite sure where we we're going to be, so definitely take it, and it gives us good opportunity for tomorrow. It feels like you've been close throughout all practice sessions, throughout qualifying as well. I know you were a little bit surprised, but why do you think that is, and what do you think is possible tomorrow? Um, yeah, we just, I think, again, like this track that we are able to ride the car in the right heights and, and uh, mechanically like we want, and it seems like, yeah, it's benefiting from that. and. Uh, we tend normally being quite draggy, but uh, with the wing we have here, we're not. So, I don't know. In the end, it's anyway small differences, but uh, it just seems to favor us. And as well with the tires and everything, it can make a big, big difference. Great stuff. Good luck tomorrow. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, Valtteri's a good boat, but better around here. He's, um, he's a good, good, good street car. Yeah, and, and he's got his calendar out now. Uh, oh, cheeky. <laughs> it is cheeky calendar. Oh, it is very it's, cheeky. It's, it's terrifying. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, if you want to see... Valtteri. He's been the butt of a lot of jokes this week, to be fair. <laughs> yes, he has. All right, let's talk a little racing because uh, Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari on pole, and they have looked fast, and we have a clip from Charles Leclerc right now. Well, I'm, uh, I'm really happy. Uh, until now, it's been a perfect uh, weekend, uh, apart from FP3 where we couldn't finish our lap, but that's fine. I don't care about FP3. So... Uh, yeah, uh, I really enjoyed the track layout since the very first laps. We were competitive uh, from the very first laps. Q1 and Q2, I was really happy with the job I've done, and especially Q2 is probably the best laps I've ever done in qualifying. Uh, and then Q3, I'm disappointed, but uh, yeah, I cannot be too disappointed either because anyway, the laps were good enough for Paul, but there was much more in these two laps. I did too many mistakes and uh, yeah, but it's, it's like this, I'm happy. I know you've had a, a few poles now where you've not been able to convert, but it feels like this track, you look really, really strong, at least a lot stronger than you have been. Do you have confidence going into tomorrow that you can win the race? Yeah, unfortunately this year is a bit uh, the, 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 the resume of the season is that we are very strong in quality and then coming to the race, we don't have the race car in order to, uh, to have a win, which is disappointing. On the other hand, if there's one weekend where we saw the race place closer to the Red Bull, is this one. So, uh, yeah, I really hope we can... Uh, convert that ball into victory uh, that would be uh, that would be amazing great stuff. good luck thank, thank you. you Jonathan do you think Leclerc can hold off Max Verstappen he has to win the start 
If okay. Max gets away, he's going to... He said it himself. You know, they, they've done this so many times now. Ferrari, it's a bit like Haas. Ferrari have done great qualifying and then drifted in the race. Um, and Leclerc admitted that, you know, their race pace just isn't as good as Red Bull's. So if they can stay ahead, then it's harder and harder because Max is going to have to push to, you know, to stay to stay behind him and try to get past him. And as we said, if he's fighting, because Charles Leclerc is a great street fighter, um, you know, so I do st- think that that plays against it. And it's risk reward with the graining. If you go offline for an overtake and you mess it up, then... Ah, thank you very much. You know, number one, make yeah. him make him do it three times, and yeah. suddenly and, the and game chew changes. up his tires. Chew up his tires. So I think we could get to that scenario, and I honestly think there's going to be so many other players in this, and of course the track and the, the potential of safety cars um, will come in. Yeah. You know, I think this is a good time to play this segment that Bob Varsha and I recorded just a few minutes before we went on air because he goes down the grid and he's talking about, like you're saying, all the other players and everything coming through. So if, Casey, you've got that ready, I want to play that because this is this is a good way to, to lay out the grid and, and see what we're in for. So let's hear that with Bob Varsha. Bob Varsha, I am so excited about this race. You know me. I'm Mr. Enthusiastic about it. Right. But a- am I crazy, or are you just as excited as me? I absolutely am, John. I tell you what, uh, we, we all just went slack-jawed when we saw what has been built here. I had a conversation with Christian Epp, who is a vice president of Herman Tilken Associates, the designers of this racetrack, Circuit of the Americas, and so many others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said his his people are all here, and they are so proud of what they've accomplished here, and rightly so. What a tremendous asset for the city of Las Vegas. But, you know, it all comes down to the race, and we have the potential for a real barn burner here. We've got fast cars out of position. We've got, you know, guys who have qualified the best they've done all season, cars like the Williams team who didn't yeah. think they were going to be very competitive. Suddenly they're up there at P5 and 6. Here's a stat for you. And I got this from Connor Daly, whose father, Derek, drove <laughs> a Williams in the 1982 Caesars Palace Grand Prix. He and his teammate, K.K. Rosberg, finished 5th and 6th. Where are the Williams starting in this race? Fifth and sixth. That is so, a fantastic stat. You know, the numbers <laughs> don't lie. You know, That's great. Something spectacular. And of course, of course, Connor knew that stat, right? Oh, yeah, right. So when he saw five and six after you know Carlos Sainz being moved down, yep. uh, that was that's yep. hilarious. Yeah, we've uh, we've uh, we found a new superstar in Connor Daly, I think, as an announcer. Yeah, I'm hearing lots of good reviews. Yeah. He was fantastic on our show last Sunday night right. too. And he's like you know Chris Medlin. I mean, he can walk into any garage. He's actually raced with a lot of these guys like Lando, and um, yeah, he's he's you know. America's guest at every hospitality unit. Yeah. He's such a good guy. Well, Bob, I know we're not going to get you because you and Jonathan, You speaking of stars of the show, you and Jonathan are the stars of the show here. You guys have been on the mics <laughs> and they're doing all the PA and been on the big screens. I keep looking out this giant screen right in front of our window. You uh-huh. and Jonathan keep looking in at me. Yeah. But we're not going to get you, so I wanted to see if you had a time to do a quick little mini grid because we're sure. not going to have you for the Absolutely full grid. Will. And, by the way, uh, us being the stars is now officially over. There are celebrities pouring through the gates <laughs> into this place. Uh, you know, photographers everywhere. I think they've gotten some 
some good shots of you entering with <laughs> Fernando Alonso. I mean, it, we're at the deep end of the ego pool over there right now, so nobody cares about Bob and Jonathan, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I walked through the gates the same time Alonso did, and I didn't know what was happening because all of a sudden cameras and flashes were all in my face, and I looked to my left, and it was Alonso, so that's what yeah. happened to me. <laughs> all right, let's take a look at the way they're going to line up for tonight's race. On the pole, of course, Charles Leclerc, his fifth of the season. He is still trying, after 11 pole positions, to win a race in which he started on pole. I mean, it's it's just <laughs> it's gone so poorly for poor Charles Leclerc. You remember him two weeks ago in Brazil when he crashed on the formation lap. Yeah. And he screamed into the radio, why am I My so luck. unlucky? Yeah. So uh, that dash to turn one between Leclerc and Max Verstappen is going to be interesting. Now, Carlos Sainz timed in second, but... Our fans are probably aware of the fact that he ran over a drain cover and destroyed his car. It had to be replaced, and that took him into the no-go zone in terms of using too many energy storing systems, the battery, basically. So the stewards, for some incomprehensible reason, gave Carlos Sainz a 10-grid spot penalty. I don't get that either. He is a very unhappy Spaniard. So you have Leclerc and Verstappen on the front row. Row two will be George Russell in the Mercedes. That's the sixth time this year he's qualified in the top three. And then the parade of guys who are who are really qualified better than they have all season. Starting next to Russell in P4 is Pierre Gasly, his best qualifying yeah. performance of the season. Yeah. Uh, and we know that they've been having problems recently, and yet here the Alpine is, is working just great. Moving to row three, P5, Alex Albon. Huh. In the Williams. Another, yeah. And, and next to him, Logan Sargent. Amazing. In yeah. the Williams. Um, absolutely amazing. I told you about the stat about that's where the Williams finished back in 1982, a few blocks from here. Um, but it, it's great. Sargent's been walking on a cloud yeah. since last night, so he is, he's really a happy camper. Uh, on row four, Valtteri Bottas <laughs> in the Alfa Romeo. Where have they been all year? All of a sudden, <laughs> he's right up there with his best qualifier of the year. Next to him, Kevin Magnuson with the suddenly the supercar again, the uh, Haas Ferrari. Good for him. And uh, there was a note I wanted to get in. Oh, yeah. Um, Sargent's performance is the best by an American since Eddie Cheever was fourth here in that 1982 race. So wave the flag, folks. Uh, so we have Botas and Magnuson on row four, moving to row five. Fernando Alonso, once again, qualifying back in the top ten. We'll see if he can do anything with it. You know, they came in as a pretty woeful group, but uh, suddenly Aston Martin is, is looking competitive again. And he'll be starting next to seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton, who basically told the team after qualifying, that's all we had. I just <laughs> could not go any faster, which is really kind of a shame. But he'll be moving forward, I think you can count on it, because Russell's up there in P3, and Lewis has got to go yeah. competitive. Okay, on row six, Sergio Perez, still locked in that battle for second in the Drivers' Championship. Hamilton is the guy closest to him, as I recall, and he starts right next to him practically. And then Carlos Sainz, after that 10-grid spot penalty, starts P12, but he is really, really fast. That's I mean, going to be fun to watch. Within a yeah. tenth of his teammate who is on pole. And he said afterwards, you know, it's going to be difficult. Of course it's going to be difficult. This is Formula One. But I'm predicting that if Carlos Sainz is patient, 
with two long straightaways here and DRS and the Ferrari driving so well, I think we're going to see signs coming forward. And I'm trying to avoid using any kind of gambling metaphor <laughs> about odds and putting a bet and the parlay. And, and anyway, uh, on row seven, Nico Hulkenberg in the second Haas car. So continuing a good effort for that team. Next to him, Danny Ricardo. Now, I really thought Ricardo in the Alpha Tauri was going to find himself at the back, but he managed to get some performance out of the car, and he is surprisingly upbeat about their chances. He really thinks they can do something uh, and maybe get to the points from 14th on the grid. Moving on to row eight, one of the big heartbreaks of qualifying. Lando Norris, yeah. in the first of the McLarens. Somehow they just fell off a cliff in terms of performance. Not sure, uh, not a lot of talk going on. Norris has been terribly po-faced in interviews uh, about, you know, we're going to do our best, but we don't expect much, yada, yada, yada. I saw an interesting comment. He said it was kind of good for us to have a down race to kind of bring them back to earth. And it's like, hey, there's still work to do is what he was saying. That, that's, a, that's a pretty good spin on that. Yeah, that is a, that's a good point. Every now and then you just need a cold shower to realize that, uh, that you're not the cream of the crop. Next to Norris will be Esteban Ocon, who had one of the most bizarre yeah. near accidents with Max with Verstappen Max. in yeah. first qualifying. And these guys, you know, they're both in fast cars. They're both going to advance. If they just stay out of each other's way, they couldn't manage to do that. On two occasions, they practically banged wheels yeah. down in turn one. I just I, I, I couldn't imagine what they were both thinking except the fact that we know that Max Verstappen really has an unbreakable code when it comes to qualifying. Recall last year when he thought his teammate had jobbed him in Monaco for the pole position, and then later on in the season oh. when they said, let Sergio go by to solidify his position at the championship, Max said, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And we all assumed it was because of Monaco. Moving on to row nine, Guan Yu Zhou in the second Alfa Romeo whose qualifying has really tailed off of late. And then the second McLaren of Oscar Piastri, wow. who is absolutely out of tires. I think they threw the everything, including the kitchen sink, at those McLarens. And, uh, you know, it doesn't bode well for uh, a young guy who has won a sprint race this year, has taken a pole in a sprint race this year, and he will start 18th. And then on the final row, Lance Stroll, who took a five-grid place penalty, for not slowing sufficiently under a yellow flag during a session. And Yuki Sonoda, the young Japanese mm. driver in the AlphaTauri who was backed into the garage by the team. He pulled off the cockpit surround, the cushion for the driver's mm -hmm. helmet, and heaved it to mm. the front of the car. He was so angry at uh, that lack of performance. So that's your grid. Leclerc, Verstappen, Russell, Gasly, Albon, Sargent. Botas, Magnussen, Alonso, Hamilton, Perez, Sainz, Hulkenberg, Ricardo, Norris, Ocon, Zhou Guanyu, Oscar Piastri, Lance Stroll, and Yuki Tsunoda. All right. Well, Bob, I know you got to get back to it. You guys have a great show, and hopefully we'll have you guys in the post-race if everything works out. Thanks, Bob. Plan on it. All right. We are going to, right after this, we're going to hear from several of the drivers, including some of those that Bob were just talking about, that some of them are happy and some of them are not. So you're listening to Speed City F1 live from Las Vegas, back after these messages. The 
Las Vegas. All right, we're still live on YouTube, Facebook right now. And I'm, hey, Casey, let's get, um, uh, let's see, let's do Carlos Sainz and Gasly. He has a great clip. So we'll hear those two coming out of the break. Dave O'Neill, um, any thoughts about that grid that Bob just read that jump out at you? No, the only thing I was reading in the race director's notes was they changed uh, version four of the pit exit. And I just wondered if Chris is still on, um, whether there was any reason for that, or is it just because they had some incidents on the exit of the pits? Yeah. Well, mm. I don't, uh, and I'm looking forward to to seeing who Chris gets to see. Is Chris still on? Yeah, he's still connected there. Chris is going to try to grab somebody as we come out of the break. Of course, he's standing by with his mic. And, but I want to hear, I want to hear uh, Carlos Sainz, Pierre Gasly. Because he was really excited. And um, I know we had Logan Sargent live, but there's also a funny clip that we'll have later in the show of Logan Sargent that was really good. And also Lewis Hamilton. He was not happy, clearly. And Lance Stroll continues to give his 10-second uh, interviews. So we'll have one of those as well. Chris, I hear your mic lighting up. Anything happening around you? Uh, I was just trying to move around because I heard you say that I needed to get someone out of the break. So I was like, right, I'll run and see what I can get. Um, I've, I've got some color from Alpine, actually, on of the Gasly situation with the grid slot, um, okay. if that's of interest. All right, we're coming um, back now. Hello to everyone. This is Gunter Steiner. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, we are in Las Vegas for the Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix. We're super excited for about what we're about to watch here in about an hour and 10 minutes. And I want to play a clip from uh, Pierre Gasly because right after that, Chris Medlin has done a little intel out there and has some information about the team. So, but let's hear from Pierre Gasly first. I'm uh, absolutely uh buzzing <laughs> i mean it was it was so unexpected um came into the weekend and into qualifying thinking it was gonna be probably the the most difficult um you know weekend and, and challenging session of the of the season and uh somehow i have no explanation i just felt very good in the car managed to put some of my best laps of of the year be right at the limits um and uh, yeah we only uh yeah I think a tenth or two away from that uh, from Max, who is lining up in second tomorrow. So, no, very pleased. Um, the guys gave me a very good car. I hope tomorrow the car can be as fast. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm very pleased with the the job uh, the team's done today. I know there are a couple of faster cars going to be out of position tomorrow. But can you fight for that podium? Do you think? Well, we'll we'll give it all. You know, I I'll stop looking at the predictions because uh, they were clearly wrong for today. So hopefully they can be wrong tomorrow. And uh, yeah, I I hope. Uh, Hopefully, I can surprise the team again. <laughs> Chris, you had some follow-up information on that, right? Yes. So when I was saying a little bit ago about the oil that's been put down on the grid uh, that was potentially worrying for 
Gasly and Verstappen. Um, one of Gasly's team members kind of gave me a thumbs down when they asked if I'd seen it. Uh, but I, I spoke to Julian Roos, who's the sporting director at Alpine, just while we were on a bit of a break there. And he's less concerned. They've taken some photos of it. They said that there's time for it to get cleaned up. But they think it's more of an issue for Verstappen. They think it's, it's far enough forward that Gasly can kind of get the initial launch and then and basically position his car a bit to try and get away from the worst of it. But that's why they'll have a look when they get there to actually work out, OK, do you need to go left a bit, right a bit? Where do you want to put your car? Uh, or if it is problematic still, uh, moving back down the grid, that maybe they'll request the FIA that they're allowed to be slightly over to the left or the right. Although the, the last point seems a bit unlikely, I think, to get pushed through because other teams will probably say, no, you can't do that. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're actually not so concerned. They think it's a bigger problem for, for Verstappen than it is for Gasly. Well, Gasly's starting fourth after the penalty for Carlos Sainz, pushing him down to 12th. But I mean, that's why he's saying is absolutely buzzing. That's an amazing position for them to be starting right now. So... Um, but and and just looking, thinking about the positioning of the car, you know, like you said, every other team is not going to be happy about that. Anytime you're moving around like that, you know, they somebody's going to say you're maybe gaining an advantage somehow or or, or something that's that's uh, going to help them and not you. Oh, I'm going to annoy Gunther Steiner. He's just seen me grab the mic. But Gunther, you've got a kind of top 10. I've got to ask you questions. Are you excited for today? Yes, and I cannot wait to go racing, you know? So that is what we are here for. And now the show starts, the race show. Uh, well, do you think it's going to be a good race as well on this track? It, it looks like it could be chaotic. It could be like always, but I don't know. You know, it's the first year. Maybe people is a little bit careful, hopefully. But nothing bad happens, but you never know, you know? So I don't know what will happen, you know? I'm guess it, and then you will know. Well, I guess you want Kevin to be careful, but do you think points are on the cards? Uh, I, I want Kevin to be fast, careful you know so no it's possible i mean if you do a good job and if it goes a little bit our way uh, it could be that we get some points uh, well good luck thanks very much cheers hmm. yeah gunther's happy and uh, the haas car has looked fast dave you're the former team manager used to be your boss that we were just talking to there what do you think about the chances for the haas team this weekend both cars Well, I mean, they've put their best foot forward and, and they have, um, you know, they've got the cars in, in the correct place. Um, the interesting bit is that, I guess, seeing if the tyres are going to last for the race, uh, whether they're going to have to two-stop or whether they can manage a one-stop. And um, that's the interesting bit. You know, the, previously they, they have shown good form in qualifying, but they haven't been able to, um, to do it in the race. You know, it just it's fallen off a cliff. Um, so maybe the cold track and um, you know the lack of grip will help them with tire wear. Well, that's exactly what I was thinking. Is that we expected some of these cars, some of these teams, to to come into this weekend and and take advantage of this track, like the Williams team. We are there's, in fact, uh, Logan Sargent said it earlier, where there's pressure on the team because everyone said, "Hey, your car is going to be faster in Vegas." Do you think there was that same kind of pressure for the Haas team? Yeah, for sure. You know, the the last race wasn't good, and um, yeah, they, they had to do something. I don't think they've done much. I, I think literally the um, you know the new the new surface the car likes. It's as simple as that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think you have to say this is a a disappointing year for the Haas team. I mean, I mean, 
currently now sitting dead last in constructors. I mean, that that's that's absolutely disappointing. There's been some flashes. Hulkenberg has, has looked good in qualifying. And and speaking of that, I think it was good that uh, good for for Kevin Magnuson to out-qualify uh, Hulkenberg, which he has not done for most of this season. And I think he kind of needed that. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, Kevin's not slow by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think they, they're probably one of the most evenly paired drivers um, on the grid. Um, but, you know, Kevin's had his, his fair share of bad luck. You know, you kind of make your own luck in the end as well. But he's uh, he's gone quick this weekend for sure. Yeah, and I uh, just want to check out with you, Chris. Anything going on um, in the uh, in the paddock? You're still in the paddock, I'm assuming. Well, I, I actually just wanted to follow up what Dave was just saying there. I am indeed. Don't know if you guys can hear me, um, but I wanted to follow yeah, we up can. what Dave was just saying there with um, with the Huss situation. Is that if I've got it the right way round, uh, Nico Hulkenberg reverted to the old spec of car. Uh, Kevin Magnussen stuck with the new spec of car because Hulkenberg didn't like the characteristics change of the upgrade that was introduced in Austin. Uh, so Haas said, okay, well, you know, whatever makes you more comfortable is likely to make you quicker. But as as Dave mentioned, Kevin was getting out-qualified a lot by Nico because he was struggling with the characteristics of this year's car. So the changes made in Austin, he's happier with. I don't know if it's that he'd say he is happy overall, uh, but he's happier with those with how the car feels. So I think that's borne out with the result that we got yesterday in qualifying, uh, that, that it's just a car that suits Kevin a little bit more now, or the, the setup he's got on it. But, but funny that they've had to split the two uh, setups and two types of uh, car to kind of easy driver. All right, you know what? Let's hear from Kevin Magnuson because we have a clip from the Haas F1 team with Kevin Magnuson. Let's hear from Kevin. Yeah, good. Uh, Q3 um, in in the mix up there, so uh, really happy with that. And um, see what we can do tomorrow. There's not too much to say, uh, you know, in terms of um, yeah, qualifying. We we've been good before, and then uh, fell, fall back on on Sunday. So that's that's what we'll try and avoid tomorrow, of course. But um, yeah, we'll do our best and see uh, see what we can. What is it, do you think, about the street tracks this year that you've been so strong at? I kind of feel like looking back in this, this calendar, you've just been particularly strong on them. Yeah, well, it's been Singapore and here, so uh, I don't know if there's and Miami. Any... You were getting qualified in Miami. Say again? You were getting qualified in Miami as well. That's true, you? but yeah, it's not <laughs> quite, it's not really a street circuit, Miami. It's uh, more, more of a road course, but yeah, I don't know if there's anything special there. It's interesting, but uh, I think... Um, I don't know. It's a good question. We'll, we'll look into it. But happy with, with today and, um, yeah, anxious for tomorrow. Hmm. All right. You know, let's roll straight into the other Haas clip because Nico Hulkenberg, and he talks about he talks about exactly what we were just saying, Dave, about the tire temps. Let's hear from Nico. Uh, yeah, I think we, we have the pace. I mean, clearly we have it. Kevin is there. I had it too, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I didn't have a clean lap on the, on the second or the, the ultimate, the lap that mattered. Locked up into turn seven and uh, yeah, bummer. Um, but somehow I feel maybe we have half a chance here of uh, you know having a, a race or you know a fight on our hands. I think the cooler temps um, hopefully help us. It's uh, just about I think raining tomorrow, but I think most cars have, have similar issues, so going to be interesting to see that. Yeah, a little bit more on that graining or just generally how you're feeling when you put fuel in the car. What 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 are you expecting from initial simulations? 
uh, yeah, I think graining. <laughs> we are expecting that. You know, it's a matter of you know delaying it or surviving it, avoiding it as best as possible. Um, obviously, downforce helps, but here with all these long straights, obviously, you know that you have to kind of take the downforce off. So that was the you know the, the balance to find. Uh, wasn't an easy one here so far this weekend, but um, yeah, like I said, I feel you know we uh, we obviously have never raced here, and no one, so. Uh, that's interesting, and you know, leave some some um, question marks anyway. So maybe we have a we have a shot tomorrow. Yeah, I hope so too. All right, guys, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be one hour from the start of the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Stick with us. We'll be back right after this. All right, we're still live on YouTube. We have lots of comments. Sorry, guys, I have not been able to get my YouTube to load, but now it's working good. Lots of folks watching. Welcome, everybody. We do this for every Formula One race. Let's see who's out there. Ah, we got the usuals. We got the Andy P's. We got the TW. We got all the usual David Lawrence, all the guys. I mean, I can't. Let's do a bit of a test, here. John. Yes, yes, good idea, Chris. Let's do a test. That was good just if then. I but just say. Just if I just say to you, uh, repeat the word hello as soon as you hear me say it. Hello. Hello. Wow, that's I've got about a five-second delay on you. Okay. All right. Yeah, and you're dropping out a little bit too, man. I so, think the crowd so is really filling in. Yeah, I'll go. I'll head uh, trackside and uh, paint the picture and see who I can grab uh, in the next five minutes. Hopefully, okay. it'll be a bit okay. cleaner in there. Yeah. And if you think you need to, just drop off and record and send us clips. But whatever you think. Already trying to get rid of me. <laughs> no, no, not at all. All right, let's see. Uh, we got some comments here. Um, yeah, David Lawrence says, don't mind the audio. Just wish they had access to YouTube comments. We got them now, David. Let's see. Andy P. He says, uh, with respect to McLaren and the lack of new sets of tires, a lot of that was intentional. Both Oscar and Lando were scuffing their sets. Yeah, I noticed that. They had no tires. And by the way, I just heard we are not going to get Mario Isola from Pirelli, Dave. Apparently, he crossed wires on his schedule. He's got got to be uh, out on the grid somewhere. He I might think. be on the grid by then. Yeah, yeah. I'll, try, I'll grab him on the Maybe grid. Maybe you can get him, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Coming back. Hi guys, this is Pierre Gasly and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, everybody, we're live in Las Vegas. And the show is happening all around us. Yes, we're going to get back to racing, but just got to, again, paint the picture. There's like Cirque du Soleil, every kind of Vegas show you can imagine that you see in all the hotels. It's all happening around the circuit. And it, it's just it's amazing, really. And the visual part of it is really what's just stunning. So this is John Massengale. I am joined by Dave O'Neill, former Haas F1 team manager. And we have Chris Medlin, who's out with his microphone and he was heading towards the grid so we'll see who he can grab for us and in fact chris i'll just do a check-in on your mic right now what do you see are you on your way over there right now 
I think he might be on his way and can't hear us, actually. So, hey, Dave O'Neill, um, I want to ask you about... Yeah, which is, thankfully, uh, from my perspective, at least... Uh... Oh, there's Chris. Chris, try again, buddy. Oh, I was saying, yeah, I am here now. I'm out in the pit lane, uh, which, from my perspective, thankfully, is a lot quieter than it was before. Uh, it's now feeling very much like a Formula 1 pit lane ready for a Formula 1 race to happen. So uh, it's emptied out a little, but all the teams are getting things ready. As you mentioned, Cirque du Soleil's just finished up, I think, on the grid. Uh, and uh, we're going to have cars heading out on their installation laps on the way to the grid uh, in about five minutes' time. So I'm going to make sure that uh, I'm right there in the middle of the grid to see who we can grab. Uh, and Marius is one I'm going to dig out because I heard John say that uh, he's going to be there rather than in our booth, which is very rude of him. So I'm going to I'm going to shut <laughs> on his toes. Chris, have you heard any of the teams talking about the temperature difference? Because it is it's a little bit warmer than it was last night. I think not dramatically, but you know this is Formula One, so every degree counts. It's what at least two or three degrees warmer tonight than it was last night. Yeah, I haven't heard uh, anyone really kind of point out as a, a big a big change that was unexpected. I think they were prepping for, for this or expecting this because, of course, we're doing the race start two hours earlier than we had qualifying. Uh, so, you know, midnight 1 a.m. Uh, for qualifying was always going to be the, essentially the coldest coldest time yeah. you're going to get. Whereas this time, uh, we're going to get something that's you know, just that slight bit warmer. I think they knew. Uh, I think 10 o'clock they were expecting it. They would have been measuring it a few days ago as well. So I, I don't actually think it's making a huge difference. Interestingly, though, and uh, this is something that Mario Isla did tell me yesterday, so if we don't get it from the horse's mouth today, when you talk about temperatures, we're talking about the location we're racing here. Going down the strip is just incredible. Uh, having the cars on that huge, long straight, and it's nearly two kilometers that flat out there. But with the cold temperatures, they lose in front tire temperature around 100 degrees Fahrenheit between leaving the previous corner and when they hit the brakes at the end of the strip. It was, it was up to 40 degrees Celsius that they lose in the tire temp. Uh, and obviously, brake temperature drops as well. So when they get to that corner, they don't know what they've got. They don't know what they've got underneath them. They don't know what they're feeling. Uh, they're kind of having to, to wing it. And it, that's, I think, one of the reasons you do see maybe some drivers that got caught out and ended up dropping out at weird times in qualifying. And I think the same could be the truth for the race. If someone just has a, a lap where their tire temp drops a little bit, it's going to start to snowball from there and become worse and worse. I got to ask you, Dave O'Neill, because this <laughs> you, you spent many years in Formula One. Have you ever heard of such a dramatic drop in tire temperature like that? Um, I think when we went to Sochi, we had we had temperatures like that um, dropped off, but not not really as much as that. And also with these new tires, I don't think there's any been you know any temperature drops. With the 13-inch wheels, they you know they had a softer sidewall and a bigger sidewall, so you could generate more heat through um, moving around and of course under braking. So this this tire, 18-inch uh, wheel, uh, there's hardly much movement um, between the sidewall of the tire and the platform of the of the surface of the rubber. So that's that's typically where they they're struggling from is to to generate heat okay. from movement. Um, you know, with the track on the wheel and on the brakes. Well, what kind of conversations are you having with the drivers when they're they're dealing with that? And 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 do you remember what kind of feedback they were giving you when they're when there's such a dramatic temperature difference like that? 
Yeah, it's kind of, you know, the, the difficult bit is you in the practice sessions, you can put break blanking on. So you start with an, an opening um, where, you, where you think you're going to be without blanking the brakes. Um, and of course, when you're not generating a, a, enough heat, you start closing the hole off um, so you, you can heat the brakes up more. So they're not getting the full full efficiencies of the hole for cooling. Um, and then you have to you have to manage that. But when you're at a street circuit in particular, um, if you get any litter that goes down the brakes or or closes off the hole, um, all of a sudden you can get exponential wear on the brakes because they're carbon brakes. So um, when they get up to their 800, 900 degree working range, um, they go pretty soft if they go up, you know, past a thousand and they wear exponentially. So those are the kind of worries you have on street circuits. Um, anyway, going on about the, the brake temperatures is if you can if you can heat the tires up through the brakes, the the, mm -hmm. the energy from the brakes going into the wheel, you heat the air up in the tire, and then of course you know that you you get hot hot air inside the tire, um, transforms to the tread of the tire, and which also transforms then to the to the track surface, and then you get the the sticking effect, um, and it. Where, where it comes in is how how well the drivers can heat the tires up to get the grip to be able to use the grip to to generate more grip to get the stick um so it's a challenge and um you know the cooling as well so the cooling for the engines is a big challenge as well when you have this this big drop in temperatures okay so, so think about i'm thinking about the way temperature in in humidity or dry air You've got the desert dry air, and where they're dry, they're traveling it between 215, 220 miles an hour down that long straight. And that's where all that energy is being dissipated, all the heat's being dissipated. Is the is this particular air? Do you think it's making that transfer quicker because it's dry, or is it the opposite? Um, well, it, you know, moisture moisture in the air is much thicker, so um, you know the cooling the cooling's not as great, but the where, where you could be suffering from in some cases is if you're following someone, you're not getting the, you know, you're not getting the effect of the, of the air. So we, when, when you look at the data, you're hoping that you're in clear air and then that's the best example of where the car's going to be. But, you know, you, you get, you get in the wake of someone or you catch someone up, you get in the DRS zone, uh, the engine starts to heat up and then you have to, you have to back off and manage the temperatures then. Yeah. Uh, let's check back in with Chris. I hear your mic out there. Anything going on? Yeah, I've been there. I was speaking earlier in the show about the uh, oil that had been dropped down here uh, and seeing exactly where it has been. Now, it is right in front the, there's a big patch right in front of Max Verstappen's uh, grid box, but slightly to the right. So if you're, if you're sitting in the car and you're Max Verstappen, if you get a, a clean launch and you go in a direct straight line, you're okay for a while. You might want to slightly move left, but you should be all right based on where the sand has been put down and the cement dust to soak it up. But then uh, when I look back at Gasly's, he's got some kind of in line with his right wheel, which isn't great. Uh, and a little bit then further forward in front of his left wheel, so not ideal either. And then, to be honest, I think someone who might even be worse off than everyone is Logan Sargent in sixth because he's got a, a full-on line. like a, It looks like another grid slot, basically, um, just in front of his grid box where they've uh, obviously had a leak that's then run down the side of the track. And that's where the most cement dust and sand has been laid down to try and 
soak it all up. So not only has he got to go through that first, and we're talking just over a car length, I'd say, or about a car length ahead of his grid stop, he then has to deal with whatever's in front of Gasly and Verstappen's as well. So, um, yeah, there's there's a chance it would be worse for, for Sargent, but obviously the initial phase is going to be the bit that you really want to get right, the, the initial launch when you're getting the power down. Uh, and I think that first band that Sargent will have to cross will be the, the problematic one. After that, he can probably pick a line to avoid the rest. Oh, that's brilliant, Chris. I, 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 we're sitting there getting this real-time live. Dave, so what do you do? You're the team manager, and you're, you're Logan Sargent. You, you know, you're James Vowles, and you go, you know, this is unfair. Do you, can you make a protest at this point? Well, certainly, yeah. At this stage, you'll be measuring out, you know, where, where the back wheels are. Um, where the trajectory is of the car going, you know, if it's there's a slight curve. So you'll be on the race control and you'll be asking whether you can move sideways, you know, move back a bit. And of course, the rules are the rules. You have to stay within the box um, and you're only allowed, you know, half a revolution of the wheel before you before you get going. But it's, you know, the mechanics will be, it, it depends what it is. You know, if it's water, you can dry it out. So they'll have, you know, they'll have rags and paper towel trying to get all the water out of the um of the surface if it's oil on the other hand you know all that happens when you put the as they call it the kitty litter down is it keeps it keeps rising um and you know that that, that can go on for days um so it's unfortunate and also unfortunate for it happens to be sergeant you know um but we'll see um you just got to make the best of the bad job at that point. So you'd position the car in particular, you'd probably put it sideways slightly, move it over, move it back, whatever you need to do to get that advantage that you're, um, you've kind of been put in the position of. Yeah. I, I just was thinking if there's something you can do to, you know, Hey, bring the, bring, you know, something back out, brush the, the asphalt or something. Is there, you know, is there anything else can be done? Chris, is, do you know of anything like that, that that can be done at this point? I think that's already been done. Yeah, I think that's what they've been doing so far. I think that's what the uh, track workers were doing. The FIA were allowing, uh, you know, uh, track sweepers to come and try and clean it up. But, yeah, it, it is all the sand and cement dust. It's not, not water that they're trying to dry up now. It's definitely um, they're using the kitty litter, as, uh, as Dave was just saying. So it, it is clearly something that they're worried about um, and are trying to soak up. But uh, the Alpine... Uh, mechanics that were already on the grid. They were having a look and a poke around, but they didn't seem overly concerned. Um, but there was no one from Williams there yet, so I'll, I'm going to head back in a bit to try and see when we get some Williams team members there, how seriously they're looking at it. And, and I'll ask James Rouse if I see him on the grid as well. He's definitely someone I want to try and grab in the uh, next, what we got, 45 minutes before lights out. But uh, just a, a quirk of this circuit. Um, if John was to look out of the uh, broadcast booth and look slightly to his left, we see a lot of mechanics waiting right at the barrier to the pit entry. So I see them. The pit lane, yeah, it's on the inside. Uh, and then you've got the barrier that's um, kind of a lot of tech pro to avoid any big incidents and big stops there. And then you've got the painted line for the final corner. Well, I'm now stood at Yuki Tsunoda's grid box, which one means John should be able to see me if I uh, if I wave. Um, huh. which yeah, I there you are. Can, but, um, but two, it, I could tell everyone that Yuki's grid slot is on a is on the final corner, so the apex curb ends probably where his back wheels are going to be. So he's going to be looking, and he won't. He'll have quite a good view actually of the cars in front of him. He'll, he'll be able to see more ahead of him in that sense. But yeah, he's on an angle, 
Uh, and it's not John alone. Nightingale to everyone, pray. From here, here uh, it would be first one, two, three, four bridge slots uh, are, on, are on an angle uh, that is the yeah. final. So it's, uh, it's kind of... Like, they'll get some momentum, I think, actually, at the back, but they also have a, a slight angle, which means you're not putting the power down in a dead straight line. So just a, a bit of a quirk of this track. That is very, yeah, we talked a little bit about that earlier, I think, off air. But, all right, guys, we got to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will continue to get reports from Chris on the grid. And we'll continue to get you ready for the Las Vegas Grand Prix right after this. Hey, Casey, do you know what that was? What? Okay. No wonder that was unusual. Uh, yeah, Chris, that that's pretty crazy. Messaging. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Was the the chat was talking to us? Casey's gonna try to turn that off. Yes. Cool. Yeah, that's I heard it. And it took me a little while to listen to it to work out what it would have been, and then I was like, okay, I'm just gonna carry on. Yeah. All right. Let's see. What we got on YouTube here. I actually closed that window because I thought it might have been that. But let me see what the, the guys and girls are saying out there. If I can get it to work again. There we go. Uh, let's see. David Lawrence says, ask Chris if he can find a NASCAR driver on the grid and interview. Thought I'd ask. Didn't get a chance to. KJC control to everyone. Test. That is weird. Still working, Casey, yeah. It's still doing it, Casey. That's, that's okay, though, in the sense that as long as we know what it is now, if, if I hear something from there, I know not to panic. But I wonder if we just Unless close the chat and, and reopen danger. it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was doing it on mine from the start, um, which I've never heard before. Hmm. I'm going to close. Why don't you just everybody close the chat? I don't know if you can, Chris, but Dave, why don't you close yours and then just reopen it and see if that fixes it. Get a, get a little behind the scenes today on the stream, boys and girls. Behind the scenes. Hi, this is Jay Leno from JayLeno'sGarage.com, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. CrowdStrike presents Driven in 60. As the official cybersecurity partner of the Mercedes-AMG Patronus Formula One team, CrowdStrike protects against cyber threats so the team can focus on what matters, their next win. The revolutionary cloud-native unified CrowdStrike Falcon platform harnesses the speed and power of the cloud to protect and defend organizations of all sizes against increasingly complex threats, stopping breaches before they happen. Because on and off the track, the stakes couldn't be higher. A split second can make the difference between victory and defeat. When every second counts, protection shouldn't slow you down. It should fuel your momentum. CrowdStrike, protection at every turn. To learn more and to try CrowdStrike Falcon free today, visit CrowdStrike.com XM. 
All right, so we are in Las Vegas, and we are watching. I'm right at the back of the grid, Chris. Uh, I'm our booth. In fact, I've got Charles Leclerc's car right in front of me. Let me put on my glasses so I can see over there. I think that's either Leclerc's or Carlos Sainz. So, uh, yeah, it is. there's lots of activity right in front of the booth here. And, Chris, are you still connected? I am indeed. Uh, I did have a little bit of a disappear while you're doing that read, but I've come back. Uh, and, yeah, I found that myself back at that Williams, well, at the Logan Sargent Bridge slot, uh, where the mechanics don't look too too worried at the moment. Um, his press officer does. He's, he's the one who's looking at the oil. Uh, but, yeah, I sort of positioned myself here ready to get run over by Pierre Gasly. Uh, <laughs> and now I'm out of the way of that Alpine uh, to see what James Bowles makes of it when he comes onto the grid. So, um, and I did say no. Well, uh, Mario Easton, I've got, a, I've got a suss out, so I've got a few targets in mind. I'd also love to get Kevin Magnussen. Actually, I know we've had Gunter uh, Steiner on the show already, but I'd love to see what um, what Magnussen's feeling like today because he can get pretty punchy, can't he? And I think on a new track, he'll be fancying his chances. So I'll see if I can get a word with him at some point. All right. Well, while you're looking out there, let's play a clip because I don't think we've heard from Max Verstappen yet because he talks uh, <laughs> amazingly enough. A lot about the tires. Let's hear from Max. Yeah, I mean, I think tomorrow, again, is going to be quite different. Tires are running hot for a longer period of time. Um, normally, we're quite good in the long runs. I think yesterday, it was, it was all feeling quite okay. Um, but yeah, over one lap, clearly, we are lacking a little bit. Um, but it's not really a surprise, to be honest. I think if you look at the track layout, low grip, um, a lot of big braking zones, 90-degree corners, and then, of course, a lot of low-speed corners. That is just not our strength this year. Um, and we know that, so we tried to do the best we could, and I think in, in Q3 we definitely did the best we could. Um, so at the end, you know, P3 and then of course P2 for tomorrow is, is, is still all in all, I think, an okay result. Do you still think you can fight for the win tomorrow? Uh, I, I think if they dig a little bit more than us, then yeah, for sure. It's all about the tyres tomorrow anyway. I mean, it's all about who, who grains the last, uh, least. and. Uh, um, the latest in the stint, you know, that's definitely the, the most important to, to be on top of uh, tomorrow. Great stuff, best of luck, thank you. So, Chris, yeah, you talked about almost getting run over by Pierre Gasly, and was was his car uh, being powered or being pushed at that point? Because there is all that activity when you have this this time of the day right before the race. Uh, very much feeling pushed at that stage, uh, <laughs> as is George Russell's now into his pit slot just behind me as well. Uh, and I, I just, uh, yeah, come around to the front of Gazzle's car to kind of see how he's reacting to everything. He's speaking to Julian, who I said I spoke to earlier, uh, the sporting director, to have a chat about how things are looking. And I think it is that right-hand side, it's the, the two right-hand tyres they're pointing out. Um, just having a look at where it could affect his launch. So realistically, I think if you're... There is that bit on the left side as well, but realistically, if you're Alpine, you kind of want him to be able to move slightly further left towards the pit wall, which is on the left-hand side of the track here, to be able to get clear that cement dust and everything that's been put down. All right, Chris, you're, we're, we're, we're losing you, Chris, so I'm going to go to Dave O'Neill and ask him... So... Hey, uh, Dave, the, the, the biggest question I'm thinking of is at this point. How... Actually, stick the mic in there as tempting as it is. But uh, mm. they're all discussing kind of how it could affect things. 
Okay. Uh, hey, Dave. One. Dave, I want to ask you about at this point. You know, we're what now? Just over, um, just under forty minutes here left before the race. So, you're at a new circuit like this, and you've got, you know, a, a, a decent amount of time. We've had three practices. We've had qualifying. I mean, is there anything that you can think of that if you're a team manager right now, telling these drivers at this this Brand new circuit, super fast, unusual in that respect. You know what? What are you telling the team right now? What are you telling the drivers to? Well, it, it, at this stage, everyone is kind of locked into what they should be doing. The countdown started, which typically um, starts an hour before lights out. So, um, you know, the drivers will be well prepped for it by by this point. You know, hydrated, finishing off, changing changing their clothes, you know, doing their rituals before they, um, before they, they get ready for the race, putting their music on, um, and then, you know, getting focused for the race. Um, so there's not, there's not really anything you can do. And it's probably the quickest hour that you could go through. It just ticks so quickly. It's almost four times as fast as you'd, you'd normally be waiting for it to go. Um, but yes, yeah, final checks, you know, back at the garage, everyone will be checking the, the correct wheels and tires have, have gone to the grid and also come back and put into place. And then making sure that the temperatures are, um, are ramped up on the tires for the first stop. And then you're, prep, you're prepping for a, a start line incident. Um, so you'll have the spare noses there. So you have the normal crew on the grid, um, which will, which put the, put the car up in the air, take the wheels off, put the umbilical cable in. Um, and then, you know, they, they link up with the car and the data systems. They're checking all the settings that have been put into the car. Um, mechanics are standing around in their position, waiting to, to do, do what they should do, which is making sure that the tires are on, uh, three minutes before, uh, the car goes on the ground. And then when the car goes onto the ground it's typically put down probably 45 seconds before um before the lights you know for the um the exploratory lap when you come back around and then with 30 seconds to go everyone has to be off the grid so basically the the number one mechanic or crew chief whatever you like to call him he'll drop the car on the ground he has a countdown timer on his wristwatch and he's also backed up by the main race engineer and the main race engineer will will call the the shots so you know like 35 seconds to go um they'll order the car on the ground um and a, a lot of the radio comms aren't used at that point it's all um hand signals just in case the radios fall over um lose power you know it's raining whatever so you know from from 10 minutes to go it's more the hand signals are used and um it's kind of memory the same people doing it mm -hmm. um and then watch the number one mechanic and look at his hand signals and and go from there and then back at the back at the garage all the pit stop equipment's been pulled out so you have the guns which uh undo the wheel nuts you have the spare guns in case those malfunction and then you're checking all the bottles to make sure the air is you know still in the bottle it hasn't had a leak while you've gone to the grid it's check, 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 you know, all the way around checking. 
Um, they'll go on the pit wall, making sure all the computers are up and running, making sure the weather station's on, making sure you have the <laughs> F1 manager system on there, the documentation. Um, and everything just falls into place from that point. And, you know, kind of the, the heart rate goes up, the buzz starts to happen. Um, and then, you know, wait for the cars to come around to the line uh, for the lights to go out, which is typically between four and seven seconds. So, you know, you don't have, you don't have, okay, every, when you line up, it's four seconds lights out. It's down to, um, you know, the numbers they put in, um, I, I guess a bit of an algorithm that spins up and, um, and, and mixes up the lights out one. And then from that point, uh, the race starts, um, everyone's legging it back from the grid. Um, so all the trolleys, the spare tires, the generators, the computers, everyone's legging it back. It's literally like, I don't know, I can only describe it like rush hour and the underground in London, you know, um, in the morning or the evening. And, and no one bumps into each other, strangely enough. But that at that point, all the celebs are off the grid and it's just um, poetry in motion. Um, so everyone heads back and then, of course, you don't then pack that equipment up because if you do have an incident or a red flag, all of that stuff's got to be run back to the grid. So you're prepping up for that. Um, and if you have, you know, a tire change on the grid, the spare wings back at the pits will be chased. They call it chasing. So if you have one to 10 on your settings on your wing and you go down, if you change from soft to medium on the tires, you have to chase the wings as well. So you have two spare wings they, they, they need uh, adjusting um, from the tyre change. Um, and again, you know, there'll be pressure changes as well. So as the race is going on, um, you chase the pressures as well. You know, it's, it's very, very minute. You're talking, you know, point, point 0.1 of a PSI that will get changed um, as the race goes on with ambient temperature and the way track temperature rises as well. So there's a multitude of things that, that goes on. Um, and of course, when it goes wrong, it goes wrong. There's no stopping yeah. it. So the more you practice, the better. Well, I. Uh, it sounds like you're ready to jump back uh, in, into Formula One, Dave. You've got the procedure down. You did that for so many years. And by the way, I don't know if you guys can hear that, but they're helicopters. That that is something I've noticed that is very different here in Vegas. And you feel free to jump in, Dave. But at the races that I've been to recently, Miami and Coda. We don't have the a number of helicopters, and I'm assuming this is a security thing because they are everywhere here, and it's not helicopters bringing people into the race. They are staying above. You know, I'm, and I've seen people do that. There's not as much of that as I would have thought, but there are helicopters everywhere, and I guess this is just for security because you are in the middle of a giant city, and so, but it's, it's fascinating. So, all right, we need to take a quick break. And when we come back, we still got a few more clips we can play, and we'll get you ready for the Las Vegas Grand Prix because we'll be 30 minutes out. Back after this. All right, we're still live on YouTube and Facebook. Sorry, I'm not monitoring Facebook, so we are just well, looking at comments on YouTube. Let's see what we got here. David Lawrence says it's 63 degrees out there. It's what he's seeing. I'm seeing on my watch down to 60 degrees. We saw 53 or 54 late last night after qualifying, right at the end of qualifying. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Dave, I want to talk Andretti after this because th this is such huge news. And I ran into 
the uh, the Cadillac guys out in the uh, I, did I did you hear me say this, Dave? I ran into the Cadillac guys out there, and uh, yeah. they were they were just kind of standing off in the corner, and in the paddock, and because everybody was ready for all the celebs and all the drivers to come through, and I spotted those Cadillac logos on their jackets. And I just kind of was staring, and the guy kind of raised his eyebrows and kind of smiled. And so I just went over there, and I just said, uh, I'm just kind of introduced myself. And I said, you guys, uh, uh, you know, this is amazing news that dropped. And they were saying, yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff. And, and we kind of got off in the weeds, and I told him about my CTSV that I used to own that I sold not too long ago. And and uh, I asked him, I said, you guys ready to come on the radio? I'm knowing the answer to that. And they said, no. They smiled and laughed. But uh, but they uh, they were pretty excited about what they're what they've got going on. Yeah, I I guess there's um I, I mean Chris is probably um, best prep for it. But if your imagination starts to to kind of expand a little bit, there could be certain things that they could be up to, which is to you know build an engine for twenty eight. Um, and also the running gear, et cetera. But there's, if they don't have the entry, um, and they wouldn't have an entry because they're, they're not a constructor. Um, All right, here we go, Dave. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. To the grid, F1 aficionados, fellow F1 fans, as we race through over 30 countries from the historic tracks in Italy to the speedy straights of Japan, F1 is as global as it gets. Ever wish you could chat with locals during the Spanish Grand Prix or truly grasp the team radio in Italy's Monza? Dive into the vibrant, multilingual world of F1 with Rosetta Stone, your co-driver in language learning. With Rosetta Stone, you're not just on the track, you're in the race. No pit stops, no renewals. Move from rookie phrases to pole position conversations, immersing deeper in every race. Rosetta Stone offers a pit lane of 25 languages, guiding you at your pace. And once you're on the grid, it's a lifetime ticket. No flags attached. Gear up for the next Grand Prix circuit. For a limited lap, get 50% off Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership. Full throttle your language journey at rosettastone.com SXM. That's rosettastone.com slash SXM. All right, Dave O'Neill, during the break, we were talking about the big, huge news for American Formula One fans, and that is the Andretti GM effort. And as we all know, the FIA has approved uh, the, the next step for the Andretti Cadillac effort to start an 11th team in Formula One. And at this point, it's now up to Formula One themselves. So the FIA has said yes. Now Formula One has to say yes. And the news that dropped this week was about that General Motors said it is registered with Formula One's governing body to become an engine supplier starting in 2028. And that is, no matter how you slice it, a huge boost to Michael Andretti's bid to join the Formula One series. And, and, and this is so huge because I keep thinking back to what Andretti has done, where first he said, I want in, and I'm Andretti, let me in. And they were like, not so fast. It's going to take more than just you know, your name and, and the fact that you've got an organization that's already racing in lots of series. And so he came back and said, okay, how about this? I've got a, one of the world's largest automobile manufacturers from the United States, no less, 
in the fact that Cadillac is going to join them. And then they still, you know, there, there's, I'm sure there's negotiations going on in the background. But now they, the fact that General Motors said that they're going to become an engine supplier, because the first thing that everybody said was, is that, well, is this just going to be a rebadged Renault or something like that? But it wasn't long before that General Motors announcement, what, maybe a 10 days, two weeks, that it was announced that the deal that Michael Andretti had signed with Renault had expired. So at that point, General Motors and Cadillac, I mean, and, and Andretti didn't have an engine supplier officially. So maybe, obviously it wasn't at that last minute hour, but now they've got General Motors saying they're going to become an engine supplier. And I think... Dave, and this is where I'll ask you. I think that one of the reasons that General Motors is willing to step in, like any manufacturer would, is the fact that they have simplified the power unit rules. And do you think that – a couple questions for you. First of all, do you think that was a part of the reason? But but the next question is, what is this – and I know you've not been a part of an engine manufacturer, but being so close to the sport, you would know – what do these steps look like? Can they just announce that they want to do this, and do they have to go through a separate engine supplier approval process? Do you know? Well, they can they can supply um, a power unit. Um, I don't think there's any rules about you know getting special dispensation okay. in there. It's just who's going to you know who's who's going to want to use it. But the the complication comes in is. You know, it, it is so in depth and in detail. It's not literally pulling a an engine out of a crate and sticking it in on the back of the chassis. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many bits that go along with the power unit. You know, you have the battery. Uh, you also have a gearbox that's mated to the power unit. Um, you've got the fuel cell, which is a very, very complex part of the uh, integration between between the power unit, the, the survival cell, um, and that those are the components which you can't just you know you can't just make an engine they gm can just make an engine but there's so many other components that they have to get right and of course it's not something you can just throw in the back of a car and get on with it so they'll have to it will take time for sure and they have the money they have the power to do it they'll have to start employing people from um other other manufacturers to fast forward the um, the learning experience and also the cost of it, um, it's going to take it's going to take a huge amount of time to get it right. Um, and those people that they will be employing or taking from any of the other manufacturers, Honda, Mercedes, you know, Ford, uh, etc., Renault, all the all the top designers are on a good year to eighteen months notice period, um, unless there's you know big money thrown thrown to break contracts so i think that part is very interesting just to see you know what they what they have in mind and and the target and and then of course the other bit is where do you run it so you have to test mm. it it's just like you know like anything in life you need to test it um which i'll probably have a little bit of a theory is you know maybe maybe zach brown is looking for to help Andrew out a little bit more and give them a car and graft this engine to the back of it um, and go testing for a bit because they haven't got a a um, a license to get in it they, they can test as much as they want um, but of course they don't know what they're testing against so they can only go to tracks and test after grand prix um, to be able to get any good data they exactly. also would be 
transient dynos, which are like $50 million bits of kit oh. where you can run the, the car live. Um, and then, of course, a huge amount of simulation as well. Um, so I'm, I'm sure Chris has got some good intel on it, but um, just on a practical practical point of view, um, it's not it, it's not that easy to do what they've they've set out to do, but they um, they have the resource that is for sure. Well, and you talked about Zach Brown, and he has been uh, always as supportive as any, if not the most supportive, of all the team principals because of their relationship. You know, they what uh, in IndyCar. If, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, that IndyCar is uh, the uh, the McLaren team runs Chevrolet engine, so they have a a relationship already with GM. And but yeah, that's fascinating. Now, what is a transient dyno? I mean, what I I know what an engine dyno is. I've put an engine on one, but what is a transient dyno? Oh, you're muted, Dave. Transient dyno moves, you know, so it, it, it moves the car. It's a real car that's put on it. Um, and because you're not allowed to track test, uh, the teams came up with other solutions in, in order to be able to test the hardware. So you bolt the car to um, it. It's, it's a probably the best way to describe it is it's like a rolling road. So if you take your your Mustang down to, you know, Got Sweet it. Charlie's bit of a bit of a tune up, they have a rolling road. It's that, but on steroids, you know, uh, a million like a times chassis over. dyno, chassis dyno, yeah. But you have the engine in it, you have the you know the gearbox on it, and you physically run the car. Um, so it's kind of integrated in 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 with a seven post rig, which bounces the car as well. So you, you can simulate tracks um, anywhere, you know, anywhere around the world. Um, yeah, you tip it on its, on its side, you know, for eau rouge, so you can simulate oil oil um movement in the car you know whether you're going to have proper displacement of the oil um temperature cooling you know you blow big fans in the front of it so you can see how the cooling's set up um etc and the wheels turn as well so um you're using all the forces and everything that moves on the on the vehicle testing it yeah and i think of a chassis that type of dyno chassis transient where you're not just measuring the power of the engine, but you're also measuring powertrain losses and things like that. So, well, I have a couple more clips I want to play, Dave. And by the way, people are loving what your your descriptions while ago talking about what's happening right now, what everybody's doing. So, that was a popular thing that we were doing. But I want to play. I know we heard from Logan Sargent live, but we have a clip from Logan that I want us to play because he talks about well, for one, the speed of their car. So let's hear from Logan Sargent. And uh, you must be delighted. I am. I am a, a happy boy for sure. Um, just nice to see what we've been working on come together. Um, I feel like we've had that potential for a while, but it's it finally was able to to get it all together over three qualifying sessions, which is nice. And um, yeah, it was <laughs> it was tight there at the end. So I'm glad I was a few hundreds quicker than P10. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, great day for the team and um, I think we have a good race car as well. Well that is the next big question, how are you feeling about tomorrow, what you've learned on the high fuel, how are you feeling just generally about this layout because you look confident out there. Yeah I, I honestly today I felt really good um, from FP3 onwards just felt like a like a good day all around um, and I think people are gonna be a bit annoyed with our straight line speed tomorrow uh, so that should you know we'll try to attack but we have a good uh, good way of defending as well. All right, we'll make the most of it. Good luck. Thank you.
Okay, Dave, I have a prediction. I, you know, based on we've had James Vals on so many times. Chris has caught up with him so many times this season. And he has been giving Logan Sargent every opportunity and giving him the patience, you know, a, a very un-Red Bull style of allowing a driver to, to, to get a season under his belt and to not feel like every single weekend he's fighting for his job or every single session he's fighting for his job. But I think that if Logan Sargent can come through this weekend clean and especially if he can stay close to Albon and the excitement of maybe getting, staying in the points, because we, you know, we heard from him earlier live, him saying it's going to be difficult to stay in the points, but that should be their goal. And I think if he can do all that and have an, another clean race next weekend, that the Williams team will stick with him for another year. What do you think about that prediction? Yes, I think we're all guilty of um, you know, giving people a hard time, certainly in, in F1, you know, when they're struggling. Uh, and we don't know all the all the details, just like anything, I guess. Um, and he definitely had a, a, I think it must have been four races ago, he was definitely unsure of himself, um, had no confidence when you heard him um, under the mic. Um, and then the last couple of races, um, he's managed to put it together. Um, and, you know, exactly what we've seen here, P6 on the grid, um, he, he kind of states that he, you know, they don't know if they'll stay there just because they have um, the, you know, the tire deck to worry about, but they certainly have the straight line speed. Um, they'll be able to overtake for sure. Um, they'll have an advantage with the DRS um, to be able to catch the guy in front with, with the speed they currently have. But um, I, I really hope he has a great race and a great result. Um, Abu Dhabi's a great place uh, for him to have a safe race. And I think yeah. it's important that he keeps his head together for this weekend. It's a street race after all, you know, we, we what's coming up. So we're going to see, well, I'm sure we're going to see some safety cars or a safety car. Um, and um, hopefully he can keep out of trouble um, and, and, you know, gather some points, gather some confidence and keep the American contingent on the grid for 2024. Yeah, and I I think that one of the things that you and I talked about earlier today and before we went on the air, and that is the intangibles that Logan's bringing to the team, besides being an American, right? That's a big intangible, but he's a, he's a team player. He he does have confidence, but he's not overconfident. I think he I, I think he can be fast, but I you know, I think if he can just be a reliable, good driver, then that that's always a a commodity in Formula One is you know as long as he's quick enough I know there's always pressure to be faster but all right guys we got to take a break but when we come back Chris Medlin just sent in an interview from a movie star who also happens to be an investor in Formula One Rob McElhaney so we'll hear from him right after this. Okay, I don't. I know nothing about Rob McElhaney other than the fact that he's an investor in in the Alpine and also in the uh, in the soccer world. But I am so out of touch with Hollywood. I just I hate to say it. I do. But uh, hey, hey, um, we're still getting that weird noise from the chat, so I'll try not to use it. Um, 
Oh, you think it's gone? Okay. Producer said he thinks it's gone. Uh, all right, let me give you guys a quick update. Let me look out both windows. Okay. Oh, they're doing the national anthem right now. Who is singing the national anthem? I had that in my notes. I'll see if I can find that. And the sphere is a giant American flag. And I'm looking at it live out my back window. <laughs> There's Casey testing that. So the sphere is a giant American flag while the national anthem plays. That's pretty cool. Let me see if I can open the door. And Yeah, you guys probably can't hear that, but it's still an amazing night out here, by the way. It is clear and crisp and 60 degrees still. Yeah, Dave, I'm with you on Dave, on Logan Sargent. I'm a huge fan. I want him to uh, to do well. Yeah, the, um, the, the good bit is he's got someone solid like James behind him who's given him all the chances. And... Um, you know, we could have tipped him over the edge. Control to everyone. Test. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that. But yeah, when we come back, we're going to hear from Rob McElhenney. And here we go. Hi, this is Jeff Gordon, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. In sports, the scoreboard doesn't tell the full story, but Netflix does. Stories about dads who happen to be world-class quarterbacks. Untold tales of the athletes you thought you knew. The heart-racing pressure for the heart, soul, and survival of the multi-billion dollar business of Formula One. Stories about college kids who were given a chance at redemption. David Beckham's meteoric rise to not only becoming a global soccer phenomenon, but also becoming the biggest celebrity couple in pop culture. From upsets to injuries, from comebacks to victories, we get to see it all with Netflix Sports. These are the stories that turn us all into fans and give everyone something to cheer for, to feel for, to hold your breath for, and to get up and get out of your seat for. Whether you're a diehard fan or whether you're a brand new, with shows like F1 Drive to Survive, Quarterback, Full Swing, Untold, Beckham, and so many more. Netflix has the stories for every type of fan. Netflix turns us all into fans. All right, everybody, we are in Las Vegas live for the Grand Prix coming up here in about 10 minutes. It's uh, it's about that time, guys. But Chris Medlin just sent in a quick interview with the actor and Formula One investor, Rob McElhaney, who recently, back in, uh, I think it was the summer, June or July, invested in the Alpine team. So let's hear from him now. I've grabbed Rob McElhaney. Rob, welcome to SiriusXM, late night, Saturday night. Um, and you've been very sensible. You've come to the back of the grid where it's a little bit quieter because that was chaos. Uh, you're here with Esteban Ocon's car. You're an investor with Alpine now. How are you loving the world of Formula One? Wow, I mean, what an absolute honor to be here, and it's hard to explain unless you've actually come to a race to feel the energy here. It's just like nothing I've ever experienced. I mean, it's two ends of the spectrum with you and sporting teams, though, isn't it? You know, 
taking Wrexham up the leagues. I'm a Yeovil Town fan. You uh, relegated us when you got promoted. Um, so I it's all right. I have a lot of respect for Yeovil. And in fact, we're playing Yeovil next in the FA Cup. Yeah, we're live on TV. You and I will sit down and watch it. Uh, but anyway. I had a good chat with the manager. Uh, it's a great organization, great club. Well, thank you very much. But we'll keep it on F1. Uh, what's, what are you invested with without being four? What are you looking to achieve here? We're just along for the ride. Honestly, I mean, F1 is, is, is the, one of the biggest sports in the world. We're here to, to be a part of it and to bear witness to some great engineering, to some great driving. Uh, and what do you make of this event in Vegas, shutting down the strip for a Grand Prix? Yeah, I mean, I've had uh, nothing but an incredible experience. Uh, I also didn't have to drive a car over an open manhole cover and didn't experience what it feels like to have a car explode underneath me. So... Uh, all due respect to those drivers that had to experience that, but it's been nothing but fun for us, and we're just, uh, like, like I said, so excited and, and privileged to be here. Well, thanks for your time, and thanks, thanks for coming along, Chief. I love the fact that he said engineering and great driving when he talked about why they invested in the team. That is, that is good to hear. Yeah, they were along for the ride, and that's great, and F1 is definitely on a ride right now. Also, Chris Medlin sent in an interview he did with McLaren boss Zach Brown. So let's hear that one now. Oh, we got to wait. He's, uh, Casey's still prepping that one. The uh, producers still get that one ready for us. But, but yes, guys. All right, we're ready to go. Let's hear from Zach Brown. I'm going to try and grab Zach Brown. He's just been doing a number of photos with you know, guests on the grid. But, Zach, I've got to ask the, the first question. Let's do it the sporting way, first way round. Why are we back here on the grid? Uh, well, a couple reasons. We didn't get our strategy right in, in qualifying, so that's the primary reason. Also not really a track that uh, suits our car, but we're definitely much quicker than we uh, qualified. So the boys have some work ahead of them. We need to have a good strategy, good stops, see if we can uh, find them some uh, spots during uh, strategy. Uh, but, yeah, we'll do the best we can. All we can uh, do is try and get both cars in the points uh, now. Well, I guess you're going to put on the show if you're going to get them both up there. And, and speaking of a show, what a show this has been so far. I mean, it got off to a bit of a bumpy start with first practice, but how do you judge the whole weekend so far? Ah, it's been unbelievable. It's everything that we'd hoped it would be. Uh, you know, you're going to have teething problems. It's unfortunate, very unfortunate for the fans more than anyone uh, on Thursday night. But, uh, you know, I think we can walk away, look at the entire weekend. I think we're about ready to put on a great race and say Las Vegas has been a massive success. And, of course, any year one event, you're going to learn a few things to improve a bond. But net-net, I think it's been a home run, to use a baseball term. Well, I was going to say, actually, from your point of view, you don't look at it, I guess, just from a sporting perspective. You've got to look wider, marketing, money-making. Has it been lucrative? Oh, our sponsors, our fans, everyone's absolutely loved it. So it's lived up as to its hype, for sure. Well, fingers crossed the race matches it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, it's really surprising to see where McLaren is this weekend. I expect them to bring those cars through the grid a little bit. I mean, we obviously the this circuit does not suit the McLaren cars, but I, I have a feeling that maybe during the race they can kind of get settled in and see if they can and uh, see if they can get that that car where they where they have been. I've got some interesting stats about about McLaren and, in fact, American sponsors that I want to throw at you guys real quick. This year, the last two years, really, two or three, the number of companies from the United States that are sponsoring Formula One has skyrocketed. We're now up to 112. This is an all-time high and a new record level. When Liberty Media acquired F1 in 2017, the number of U.S. partners was 44. So it has almost tripled. 
and the team with the highest number of partners from the United States is is McLaren. Not surprisingly, if you know Zach Brown and his skill set, this is definitely one of them. They have 26 partners from the United States. Red Bull's number two with 19. Haas and Red Bull are the two teams with the highest number of new partners for from the United States in 2023. Both have six new partners from the United States in 2023. All right, Chris has sent in another uh, interview. Williams team principal, James Vowles. Let's hear from James. Just very quickly get James Vowles because he wanted to put his headset on and hear what the team's doing. But James... Third row's all yours. Does this exceed expectations for you this weekend? Oh, without doubt. I mean, to say you're going to have two cars in the top ten, where other than the Ferrari, everyone else has just one car. I think yesterday you saw the team and the drivers operating at a different level. The just award is this. We're also realistic, though. Qualifying's one lap, and we know we can get the car in a good place. I think on the long runs, we're a little bit behind of that, but even so, we're here to score points and fight for ourselves to in the championship. Well, I imagine the start will be very crucial to that, and I've seen the uh, the oil in front of Logan's car. Do you think that's going to play a part? Will it hamper him at all? I, I think there's two elements to Logan's side of the track. It is dirty on that side of the track, and that oil line, I mean, just to describe it to, to your listeners, fundamentally it stretches all the way across the front of his car, and it's about 30 centimetres wide. You're not missing that. And the crucial part of the start is unfortunately just there. That's where you're still trying to engage the clutch. And any wheel spin sends you basically out of control. So not a great situation to be in, but we're going to deal with it. It's as simple as that. And just finally, we just had Viva Las Vegas blasting out. How have you found the show that's gone on around this Grand Prix so far? I think the show is extraordinary. It has raised the bar another level. It's, a, it's impressive given Liberty is a private firm. And they've built all of this, and it has in many areas now set the bar for where we want to be. Even just here on the grid today, you have celebrities everywhere. You have everyone, in fact, where's your jacket? Everyone is from glitzy jackets. And it's good to see that as a sport, we're growing. Well, I hope, uh, I hope the race will live up to, to the glitz we've had around it. We're looking forward to it. Good luck today. Thanks so much. All right, we have Chris Medlin live. Do you have a glitzy jacket yet, Chris? <laughs> or do we have him? <laughs> it is it is mayhem out there. I know. I can see it right now. And I'm looking at the clock. We have two minutes, thirty four seconds, and that's about so, that. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry about that. I got kicked off just as you were coming to me. But that's the first time I heard what he was saying about my jacket uh, because <laughs> it was so loud on the grid with the fire up of the uh, Mercedes directly in front of us. So. Uh, I, I didn't know. I, I knew he said something to do with my jacket and pointed at me, but I'm, I'm not wearing a glitzy one. That was his point. I'm wearing a, a bomber, varsity kind of baseball jacket that yes. has already got me a lot of stick because I'm not very fashionable. <laughs> That's not what you get paid the big bucks for, Chris. It's not your fashion. Uh, buddy, look, we're, we're now two minutes out. Just give us a quick eyes and ears from where yeah, you are say. right now. Uh, it's the most glamorous part of the, of the day. Uh, <laughs> I am behind turn one. Uh, I've got a full uh, a wall that's about... 20 feet high, maybe a bit higher, so I can't see above it, uh, so I'm, I'm down below the track, running to leave the track to go across a car park into a casino to go upstairs into the media center. That's the uh, logistics, uh, but it's so that I can see this race start because I can't wait. I am so excited to see how this is going to look. I, I think everyone's kind of going to forget anything that they thought about Vegas, good and bad, the moment the lights go out. It's going to be a race, and, and everyone's going to be thrilled for it. So the atmosphere was brilliant on the grid. All right. Well, Chris, fantastic. I'm going to let you go so you can go get in front of, of a screen and see this race because we are excited about it. And, Casey, how much time we have left here? 
All right, we got about a minute left. Dave O'Neill, any final thoughts? No, I think it's um, the lights are out, you know, a good 10, 15 minutes ago for the teams. But I think um, final thoughts, I hope they get through the first corner clean and we have a good race. Ah, spoken like a true team manager. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Of course, stay right here for the race. And again, after the race, we'll have our traditional post-race show. Jonathan Green, Bob Barsha are going to be joining us for that. So thanks, everybody. And don't forget that the Speed City F1 pre-race show on SiriusXM is brought to you by CrowdStrike. Stop today's most sophisticated cyber attacks at the office, the racetrack, and everywhere in between. Learn more at CrowdStrike.com XM. And we'll talk to you after the race.